This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Wednesday the 2nd of June 2021 and I can no longer act as if I'm Jon Snow and say the winds of winter are coming. They're here. We're here. We're here. We're in winter. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so buckle up. And you've now exhausted my entire knowledge of, games of Game of Thrones. <laughs> All right, well. So let's get straight into it today, Norman. So when this virus first emerged last year, there was this real sense of uncertainty about how it transmitted. I know that people that I know were really worried about it. It was like, can I catch it by sort of walking past someone in the street? And we were like, no, 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 you you know, we need to have a certain level of contact for that to happen. But what we have seen in this current Victorian cluster is that the transmission events for some people seem to be a lot briefer and a lot more casual than what we have seen or come to understand about the virus over the past year and a half. Yeah, and it's not necessarily new. So there's a couple of cases where, you know, there are some cases where they're saying that, you know, they know where it came from. There was contact, but it was incredibly brief. So if you go back to, for example, the New South Wales outbreak, in late last year. And there was an outbreak, if you remember, in a, an off, sorry, I'm using the British term off license, what do you call it, a bottle shop. <laughs> they, they, the comment they made there was that it was pretty fleeting in the bottle shop too. And for example, the man again in New South Wales, who was visiting various barbecue shops, they don't know where he got it from. And the comment then was, it was probably a very fleeting contact at that point that he must have caught it from because there was no obvious link between the man in hotel quarantine in New South Wales and how the man going around the barbecue the barbecue shops got it too. And again, between the man in Wallert and the case number five, we don't know what happened there, probably fleeting. So I think it was the 117 in uh, New South Wales in late last year, which is about twice as contagious as the Wuhan virus. And this Indian variant is at least 50% more contagious than the UK variant. So fleeting transmission may well be uh, a thing of the future, either because you've got somebody who's infected who's producing a huge amount of virus. So maybe, so normally, sorry, just give you the statistics now, normally it's 2% of people are producing a huge amount of virus. 10% of people pass it on because of circumstances. It's probably about 2% who are really considered super spreaders. It may be that the reason the Indian variant and maybe the British variant are more contagious is that you're more likely to produce a lot of virus and that 2% of people maybe comes 4%. I mean, that's hypothetical. It's not been shown, but that could be one explanation for contagiousness. But it is interesting, isn't it? Because it kind of goes right back to this initial case that has come through South Australian hotel quarantine where this person has managed to pass it on to someone because then we have this cluster in Victoria, which we know is linked because of the genomics, but that person's close contacts, none of them ever tested positive. No, it's weird. And it could be the windows were open at home. Um, maybe they didn't hug and kiss for a couple of days during the infectious period. Who knows? I mean, this this virus does behave in bizarre ways, not predictable. It could be that he sneezed in front of somebody you just don't know what happened. So even though we're hearing about this fleeting contact and it's a bit weird and scary and it may be a bit different to what we've heard before, although, as you say, Norman, not completely unprecedented, the mood in yesterday's press conference from Victoria was a bit more upbeat than I think we've had the last couple of days. 
What do you make of that? Well, what I make of that is everybody's scared of aged care. And at least as of yesterday and as of us recording this CoronaCast, there hasn't been any more spread in aged care. And I think a lot of people are breathing more easily because of that. Not entirely easily. There's probably still some tests to come back and could come back to mug us. But at the moment, they're saying, oh, the worst situation may be okay. We may be across it with our contact tracing and testing. And they're trying to be on the front foot with this vaccine blitz that they're doing for aged care workers and disability workers. And that's showing the sort of flexibility that we need to show is that um, we should be doing that in every state, just identifying people and getting them done. And that should have been done a while ago, but you know that's ancient history. Let's get it done now. And it's possible to reorganise what you do, turn on a sixpence. It's just about creating extra lanes in your high throughput centre and just allowing these people to come through and get done. That's right. And so to recap that for people who missed it, there's a couple of, well, I think there's 10 of the vaccination hubs in Victoria have got basically priority lanes for people who work in um, private aged care and disability services. Those people, I think, were maybe meant to be vaccinated through the federal scheme, but that has obviously been a bit of a tough thing for them to access. So they, they're giving them priority access through uh, the Victorian system. Well, the bottom line is there hasn't really been a federal scheme for staff. It's been put on to GPs and the, and the states. And now that's regularised and um, they know what's happening rather than waiting for leftovers in the aged care centres. So just while we're talking about aged care workers, we just um, had a request for clarification from Peter, who said uh, that you said, Norman, incorrectly yesterday that private aged care workers had been wrongly working across more than one facility. Peter points out the rule was removed back in November, but was uh, reintroduced last night. Yeah, that's absolutely right. So there was a rule going through most of last year that you weren't allowed to work in more than one centre, which was the result of the Victorian second wave, where you had lots of aged care centres and casualised labour and so on. Private industry lobbied the federal minister and it was allowed to go back in that they could work across different locations. And But the agreement was that if you went to an outbreak, that that, that would cease and people could not work across centres in an outbreak. But all of that was voluntary, by the way. It wasn't compulsory. And on to some different coronavirus news, Norman. We've um, mentioned before on this podcast that some of the names for the uh, for the variants are not very snappy when you're talking about B1.617.2. And obviously someone at the World Health Organization listens to CoronaCast because they have released some new names for the different variants of concern and they're using the Greek alphabet. They are. So 117, the Kent variant, is now Alpha. The South African variant, 351, is Beta. The Brazilian one is Gamma. And the Indian one is Delta. It just sounds a bit like a bad Charlton Heston movie. But, you know, when we get to Omega, we'll have to really watch out because it could take over the world. Well, yeah, exactly. I think that maybe you would be criticised no matter what naming convention you used. It feels like a scientific and kind of snappy way to talk about them. Although I think we might need to uh, clarify it for our audience when we're talking about it, at least over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, what the bloody hell is Delta? Anyway, okay, we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll try and work it out. So on variants of concern, there are news reports that um, Vietnam has detected a new variant of concern. I'm assuming this one's going to be called Kappa. What do we know about it so far? Not very much. It's really through newspaper reports. It's supposed to be a combination of the British and Indian variant. We just need to wait and see until the science comes through. Maybe may have come through by the time people wake up to this Corona cast, but um, really, we can't really talk about it too much until we get some science behind it. So there's something that we haven't done on this podcast for a couple of weeks, Norman. 
And that's Quickfire Friday. And even though it's Wednesday, I've got so many questions for you. We're going to do Quickfire Friday, the Wednesday edition. Great. Today. Fire away. So we'll start with this one from Mark who says, do we have confirmation of the Indian variant? I think Mark means uh, Delta in Melbourne from the authorities. I remember the original genomic sequencing from mid-May suggested it was 617.2, but it has since been reported in the media as 617.1. A quick answer because Quickfire Friday is it's always been 617.1 in Victoria. Ruby asks, why do people who are vaccinated have to lock down? It's because after the first dose of the vaccine, you are not fully protected, particularly against the Indian variant. And after the second dose, you're still not 100% protected. So you still could pass it on. Sarah asks, have there been any instances globally where a person has had two vaccinations and still tested positive for COVID? Yes. Um, look at the Shangi airport outbreak in uh, two or three weeks ago in Singapore. And there were several people who were airport workers fully vaccinated against Pfizer who had symptomatic COVID-19. But not serious ones, not serious disease. And Janet's saying, how can there be so many exposure sites in Victoria and so many tests completed each day, but so few new COVID cases announced each day? Janet's wondering if this indicates that testing and tracing is not keeping up with the outbreak. No, it's probably thanks to the lockdown that people aren't out there spreading the infection and you're getting under control. What you want is a very low positive to testing ratio. Uh, if you go back to last year, you want it to be under 5% and it's always been under, mostly always been under 1% in in Australia. And one last question from Joanna. Why didn't sewerage testing alert the Victorian government that there was a transmission earlier? It did. There was a positive test and transmission a few days before this became obvious. And, and then it became clear that it was this case. Well, well done, Norman. That was Quickfire Friday, Wednesday edition, done and dusted. If you get more of your questions, we'll put them through uh, Quickfire Friday, Friday edition. <laughs> you can uh, submit a question by going to abc.net.au slash coronacast. And we'll see you tomorrow. See you then.